If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. Yeah, this is Houston, we're copying. Uh, everything is go here. We shall fight on the beaches and in the streets. We shall never surrender. I'm in it just to rewrite history, cause I'm in the mood to Label us the leaders of the leaders of the new school This ain't for the radio, can't find this on YouTube This the type of killing that these critics say used to You're a group of happy rebels You've said no to the rules of the game and the regulations of the day You've said no to the conventional wisdom You're all originals In this day and age I got time for innovation Time to be creative, time to Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to 90 Proof Wisdom Podcast this morning. We're thrilled to have Kevin Ward, the Layton City Fire Chief, and so many other titles. I can't keep track of them here, Kevin. But we're happy to have him here. We're going to cover some awesome topics. Kevin, under his watch, has seen a ton of changes, implemented a ton of different trainings, and had to fight some hard fights. And we wanted to just touch some bases. Uh, Layton City is a huge department here in Davis County, and uh, he's, a, he's on the board of Weber Fire Districts. Yep. And you have all sorts of titles. Let's hear them. Well, I actually just moved into being president of the Utah State Fire Chiefs Association. That'll be a two-year term, followed by two more years as the Western Fire Chiefs Association representative for Utah. And as you mentioned, chairman of the board of the Weber Fire District, I I am uh, running for (laughs) re-election. So we don't want to put our vote in, right? Chief Kevin Ward. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, So I've been been on the the board now. This will be my, uh, going into my, I think my fourth term there now, and I've been the the, chairman now for the last at least the last six years i kind of moved in Uh a few years ago so i do that and also do adjunct faculty for utah fire rescue academy at uh, utah valley university 10 articles and straight tip that i read (laughs) and uh secretary treasurer for the joint uh, joint council fire service organizations which is our legislative voice of the united fire service within the state of utah so that's, that's how much most. time do you have in a day <laughs> for heaven's sake? Well, seems like I'm running out and I need a little bit more. If you can, right? you can give me a few more hours a day, that'd be great. So we were just talking about this before we turned on 1977. You started here in Weber County. Well, actually in, in 1977 is, is when I started. I actually was a paramedic in LA County for a very short amount of time. I was actually the youngest certified paramedic in the history of LA County. From what I understand, I was actually, uh, I'd been an EMT up in the uh, Bay area. I got my EMT while I was in high school and I uh, went to Sierra Academy of Aeronautics to be a pilot. That was kind of where the direction I was going and had uh, was working on my, my private and my commercial. Started working as an EMT for Bay City's Ambulance in Oakland, wow. which was a uh, big eye-opener for an 18-year-old kid from Southern California. And so I did that for a few months and uh, went to paramedic school in uh, Daniel Freeman, the first accredited paramedic school in the country, by the way, 001. Wow. And uh, once I got out of there, um, I started working in the, in the city of Laverne for a private ambulance company, uh, realizing I really wanted to get in the fire service. And uh, back then in Southern California, it's pretty difficult to get on. And uh, so I, I loved to ski, and I was looking at different options of going to Utah or Colorado. They had This one, they had the Jarvis Gun Amendment. I don't know if you remember hearing mm-hmm. about that, the Proposition 13, repeal of property taxes. It, it decimated fire services around the the state of California. So there was, there was nobody hiring. Plus I wasn't old enough for, right, just you had kid. to be 21. Most departments think LA <laughs> County was the only one you could be 18. So, uh, I did come up in, uh, October of 77 for the Weber County fire department at the time, uh, worked there for a little over almost two and a half years. Uh, it was a culture shock for a kid from Southern California coming up to, uh, 
Weber County back in 77 to January of 1980. It was different. Uh, Really felt like I needed to figure out something different. Right. uh, So went down to Arizona, started uh, with the Channel Fire Department in 1980, and worked my way up the ranks. uh, Retired as battalion chief in uh, 2000, first part of 2004. And, well, January 2004, that's when I came up to to Layton. So I've been a captain. I was a captain in – Chandler for a little over 18 years, about nine years as a truck company captain, nine years as an engine company captain, paramedic the whole time. So, Wow. Yeah. So it's been 40, it'll be uh, 44 years next month. So I'm I'm just getting started. And your, and your shirt's <laughs> ripping. I got alert, a lot to that'll learn. That'll be 10, that'll be what, nine stars? Uh, yeah, eventually. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, you, you got one more month, that's nine stars, right? Yeah. Five per... Well, yeah, it, I'll get... It's actually, yeah, be next, the following next year. year. But okay. Anyway, yeah, I've still got, man, I got a lot left of me to give, brother. I Boy, got a you lot must. To give. And you must have a lot of energy. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> so I wanted to go into, you've had some, some awesome stuff you've had to deal with. Like in, in some of the last conversations we'd had over here with Rich King, mm-hmm. some of the struggles that we have right now. And again, Dan Lillian Quist Bill, we brought up a little yeah. bit about that in tier two yes. and how bad and how detrimental it's been to just our number one recruitment, how hard mm-hmm. it is to hire good qualified individuals, firefighters, men, women alike. You don't even care, but it's hard no. to find really good, strong people. Because, you know, we've lost a little bit of the the allure of becoming public service and fire, sure. right? Then on top of that, the attrition has gone through the roof. The ability to maintain or retain solid quality individuals and whether they're leaving for departments or changing to careers altogether. I don't think people understand how important our retirement was as a as a recruitment tool and an attrition, you know, to minimize attrition, attrition Mm -hmm. in the element. And, and I, it can get passed off lightly. And I don't think our public and our citizens understand what that tier two looked like in very, in comparison to what it was pre 2012 or 2011. And then what it did, like our judges got 110% at that on the same bill of their wage when they retire. And here we sit at 37% after 25. And I know that's been right at a little bit up up to to 50%. 50. It's up to 50 at 25. At 25. So we did get a partial fix, at least a little bit. A little bit. So, but that's take, that took nine years or eight years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It took took several years to get that fixed. And when I was on the IAFF union presidency here in Roy, that was a huge problem with the PFFU. And I, and actually uh, Colin was in the IAFF the same time. Mm -hmm. So we attended some of the conferences together and that was seemed to be a hot button. And as firefighters that were working underneath the union and they'd have their grievances that they'd bring up, it feels like that it's ignored at the higher level, right? And I'm not saying that as an attack, but it feels like the state doesn't care, right? And I know that it's important for fire chiefs. You guys are swinging as hard as you could. And I'd like people to understand where and how you guys are taking it and what we feel like we're going to be able to get to at some point with the help of the citizens as they vote their their people in and they choose people that are voting for the right bills and how important it is for our already underpaid career that we choose. It's a service-based career that I think all of us do with pride. And we do it because we love our job. We love our family in the fire world and we love our citizens. We love what we do, period. It's obviously not the paycheck in most cases. There is some cities that are out there that pay really well and that's good. And that's where that should be. But for a 240 hour a month career, it's kind of underserved. So we, we should have either a pay that's decent or retirement that that's appealing, right? When I, I got into it with Paul, another, another kid here that he is in the fire world. He goes, I don't know why he does, he does state work. Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, I don't know why you guys feel like you should be retired in 20. I said, well, 
An average employee works 160 hours a month. A fire worker, a fireman works 240 hours a month average, right? right? So you take that annualized. And if we looked at a 30 year bucket at 40 hours a week, that equals so many hours, call it 50,000. And if we're able to do that same hours in 20 years, should it matter? Shouldn't it be hours in, hours out? Like if I can submit and turn in the same amount of hours that you do in 30 years at 40 hours a week, but I choose to do it in 60 hours a week, shouldn't I have the right to have the same pool of money out? And of course, there was no answer to that. Right. He's like, well, then that's only 20 years worth of work. I'm like, I know, but I do it at 50% more work a week. Yeah. Yeah. You're working. If fire, our firefighters work 29, 20, 2,920 hours and 40 hour workers, 2080. Yeah. So you're or talking, you're talking 80, right? almost eight, eight, 800 and some odd more hours annualized, you know, per year. Yeah. Uh, it's a big so. deal. So shouldn't we have a contribution total right. that we then pull an equal amount of value? Yeah. Right. Yep. So I, I think, you know, we sit there and, and bless most firemen's heart. They can't, they really don't have a bat to swing. And I don't mean that in a mean condescending way. I mean, we are really relying on our paycheck. We are really relying on our benefits and we're really relying on our retirement. So to have a voice to step up and say, Hey, chief ward, like this is not fair. We need to do this. And depending on the chief, and I know you're not the guy, that's why I kind of felt like I could bring you on here and have sure. this conversation. Sure. Yeah. But some people like, especially the wet behind the young career firefighter, that's just starting, that's getting in there and getting buried and we get him trained. And all of a sudden we're like, this guy's a rock star. And then they go be a sighting guy. Yeah. Right. So that's a problem. But what is it like when they, they feel nervous to come and approach because they don't want you to have power over their, their, they, you have obviously power over their wage and their retirement. So it's scary to come up to someone like you and say, Hey man, this retirement's tough. My pay is tough. What is it that you guys are doing to try to help get this righted? It's a hard question to ask your chief. Well, it, right? it, it, it is. And, uh, you know, we certainly when we, we knew this was going to happen. And I know when when uh, Lilinquist ran the bill, he said, well, we'll just you know expect cities and districts to just up their pay and we'll just get more money. Just pay your people more money. Well, you can't just pay people more money. And, uh, you know, it, it, it it's you're the Utah State Fire Chief Association. We have a legislative committee. That really focuses that in cooperation with the Joint Council of Fire Service Organizations, and, and that encompasses all the different organizations, whether it be uh, the Utah Firefighters Association, the Professional Firefighters of Utah, the State Fire Marshals Association, you know, the State Chiefs. We're all together on this, and uh, you know, it's it's on our it's it's one of the things we talk about every year is trying to figure out how we can convince the folks that the money's there to fix it. You know, we our economy's doing quite well. This the state's got a big war chest of money. And so we're we're trying to work on it. You know, we do have a big friend and the shout out to Matt Gwynn out there. I love uh, Matt. Matt. I call him mayor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey mayor, if you're listening. Just yeah, Matt, although yeah. he's congressman, right? Yeah, he's a, he's I, a, I had to give him a hard time. Far west. Yeah, Matt Matt served as my vice chair on the on the fire district board. Yes. He's a good friend and uh, when I worked at Roy, Roy he yeah. was the Roy PD officer. Right. And it was funny the way he talked to citizens. He was really friendly, but it, as I'd pull up in a rescue and he'd be in there talking and it looked like he was campaigning, right? Yeah. I'm like, all right, mayor, will you just go secure the scene, please? <laughs> quit trying to, and he wasn't in office right. yet. I'm like, quit trying to run for office. And the irony is he ended up running for office yeah. anyway. But it was, it was just funny. So that's why he got, I gave him the nickname mayor and I just do it over the loudspeaker. I'm like, come on, mayor. Yeah. This, this is, <laughs> so well, I love Matt. Yeah, Matt, Matt Matt's a, a great man and, and uh, he's certainly a, an ally for public safety being the chief Roy and he's, you know, now the Congress. representative, rep state, Utah State Legislative representative for Far West, and uh, and I know going into this, one of the things that he always focused on was retirement, and that's what he's been working on more than 
anything in going in, uh, going into that position is he's got a, he's got a patch to do that. So we're working with him. He's first term, so he doesn't wield a lot of power Not down yet. there, but, uh, you know, he keeps, he keeps chomping at it. You know, that guy's a pit bull. On if it, someone can pull going. it off, Matt, you can do it. Don't That's go, right. for, just keep swinging brother. Yep. We need it. Yep. We need it. And our firefighters need it. And our policemen need it. And our EMS teams need it. Right. Our fire chiefs need it. Believe it or not, fire guys, our fire chiefs need this help. <laughs> They're not out there wanting to hire new people every two weeks. They yeah. don't want to lower their grade of personnel. They want the ability to hire top line people. So I think sometimes we get this, this crossed view a little bit, like as a firefighter sitting in a day chair some days or sitting on a fire ground, we feel like our fire chiefs are doing this in spite of what our desires are. Right. Right. And that's not the case. The the case is we're limited to our power and leadership on what we can do. And we need help from, especially in your role, different than private sector, that you need a bunch of people above, right. Right. To help you help them. And it's not that we're ignorant to what their needs are. You would love to have the ability to pay uh, the right amount of money for each one of your people and to give them the right retirement for what they, what they felt like they should be getting or what we used to, to receive. I don't think anything would make you happier. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. We, we want to be able to pay a good fair wage and then we want to be able to provide a good stable retirement. I I will say the change to 50% was made things a lot better, Mm -hmm. not as good as it could be. But and it helped it, a lot. It helped. It helped a lot, you know. And we see pension reform all over the country, and especially other places where the pension system is, you know, kind of upside down. I mean, fortunately in Utah, the way that it was structured, you know, with the restricted account and everything coming in from the percentage of the fire insurance premiums and all that helps to fund that. And our, you know, our fire retirement is 100 percent funded. And you you look at some other states back east, and it's 40 percent funded, 35 percent funded. I mean, some of them are near insolvency, you know, what they're, and ours are hundred percent covered. And, and our, our, our firefighter pension is covered hundred percent. So law enforcement is a little bit different. So they're really um, taking a hit on this. That's why their retirement costs are so much higher. And, and of course, everything going on with, with PD recruitment and retention is, I mean, I think right now, uh, chief Swanson told me he's, he's down at least a dozen to 15 officers right now. And they are just park hiring them, and uh, yeah, it's 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 tough, and so they have a obviously have a lot higher turnover for a lot of a lot of reasons mm-hmm. right now. Um, but you know, when you start taking away the retirement incentive and what the pay is and things like that, and now you're starting to see these some of these cities are are up in their police pay significantly. I mean, they, some of these departments gave their officers a 13% across the board Good. pay increase. And Good. so their, their pay is coming in, but now which 13% Roy pays 42,000 a year for a, for a police officer. So yeah. 13% is like 45 grand. It's like, that's yeah. a, that's a decent wage, yeah, it's, but you, when your average median household costs here in Utah is 400,000 for a multifamily and right. 465 for single family, 40,000 is a hard needle to move yep. to be able to afford yep. a house. So a lot of them, I know several in the Salt Lake Valley are starting close to 50,000 on some of those. It's still, you know, hard I mean, to afford entry level. It, it is. It's very, it's very tough. And, uh, so they're, they struggle probably worse than I know. They struggle worse with us with recruitment and, and, and retention, especially. Well, know. everybody loves firefighters. Well, they do. Not not like police. That's Sorry, right. guys. Just kidding. <laughs> we we, we love them at. and we need them <laughs> with all five fingers. That's, That's right. how they wave at us That's most right. of the time. Yeah, <laughs> just giving Matt a hard time, really, and his guys. But uh, yeah. ultimately, I I think you know there's some major things that we could do to really help our guys. And you know, I I have a unique opportunity to still be able to serve in the fire service, and there's a lot of drama and I don't want to make it sound small. And I, I just mean like conversations that are hard hurdles for them. And you get a different perspective in the sense that you're like, man, I, 
I miss those kind of little drum, those little hard times. Like there's, they're really trying to just rub two nickels together and they've worked 240 hours that month. And just to listen in as now, you know, I, I say outside, but someone that I'm not stressing at that level right now in, right. in those smaller yeah. hurdles that they have to cross and to see that they are already giving 33% more of their time a month. And they try to find other jobs like roofing or tile or whatever carpet that seems to be big and flooring to just try to pay the bills, to just pay the house payment, to just pay the food after giving 240 hours, you sit there and you're like, man, it, it's just kind of heartbreaking to, to hear the stress. And yeah, I think sometimes for citizens, they think all the fire guys are sitting in the firehouse or the paramedics are sitting in the firehouse waiting for the next thing. But the unfortunate part about our job, especially with HIPAA, is we can't wave a flag on all the great heroic lives we saved last night. Right. It's pretty much mute and we can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So the public doesn't know anything about that kind of thing until it's their house. Yep. And then they think we're great after we go to their house. But they don't know that we served all night and they may see that their trucks are parked in the driveway, that doesn't necessarily mean we're there, right? right? You can't see in the bays most of the time That's to see right. our trucks are gone. Yeah. So it's not that we're laying down in the, in the day room all day. You guys do a great job of keeping us training from nine to five, eight to five, right? We, we stay busy whether all day long. And then at night we end up running calls a lot of nights and then on the weekends as well. So it may seem like to an outsider, oh, that's a great job. You guys barbecue. You have a great camaraderie. It's like family, your brotherhood. You watch sports games. Well, first off, we eat cold dinners. You don't finish a sports game. True. You know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, all yeah. those things are true. But thanks to DVRs, we can finish one. <laughs> and thanks to a smoker, you can turn down that's right. the temperature a little bit. <laughs> but I think sometimes it's taken for granted. And, and, I, and I think they need advocates that can speak loud and not be, you guys are stuck in a tough spot being admin and the firefighter are stuck in a tough spot because they don't want to be the the bad guy inside this. So sure. how do you get that communication to line out? Well, that's a big part of it is, is communicating what we're what we're working on and what we're doing. You know, I mean, that's one of the, of course, it's the biggest thing is communication and everything. Letting them know, hey, we're we we we're we're trying to do what we can to, to fight for you. And and I I I hope my guys know that. Man, I love them. I love them. guys generically there, but you know, guys and gals, I love them. Sure. Just, just, man, they're, they're awesome. I've got the most awesome folks working for me. I could possibly imagine. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get their back. And so we're fighting. We're keep, we'll keep fighting. We're, you know, we're not done yet. We're going to keep fighting for it. And Good. so that's our, you know, that, that's, they, I think they know that. I hope they know that. They, they, I hope they do too, because it goes underappreciated. And it's not that everybody doesn't say they love fire guys. They do, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's not reflected. <laughs> Yeah, You know, I mean, we, it's hard to feel and I feel for our guys. And as we were listening to them on, on Friday and Saturday that I worked, I, I'm like, man, I, what else can we do to help them? And I, and that's where I'm, I was, I'd already invited you. We'd already scheduled this. Sure. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity. And, and, uh, I just wanted you to be able to have a little voice, non-judgment. And then of course me, I don't know how this will repercuss, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I wanted to have the opportunity to ask you questions on behalf of other people. Sure. Just say, Hey man, like how hard are you swinging? Is this important? Do you lose sleep? Because we sure know they do. And, and what mm -hmm. are the, the, the goal lines that we could, we could hope for? Like, let's, what does that look like? And I, and you've done a good job of explaining that on how that gets tackled. So yeah, we're 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 going to keep fighting. You know, we want to move it. Our, our goal, the end, the end goal that we'll keep fighting for is to make, basically move everybody from tier one, tier two to tier one, back into a tier one retirement. Uh, that's our that's our goal. Uh, yeah. How long we get there, I I don't know. We're going to we're going to keep fighting for that's it. your goal post. Yeah, that's the goal post. That's 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 we're getting in the end zone when we got that. Then wow. we're we're it's going to make things you know a lot a lot better. And uh, you know that's that's where we're we're working on. 
How did that transition? I I'd left full time from that point from tier two to tier uh, that second, the first step where it was like 37 and a half percent. Yeah. 37 and a half percent. And then it went back to 50. What happened to that gap? The people that were hired in the middle, was it just all righted? Yeah. I think everything got, everything got righted on that. Back yeah, to we had, a, we had a few in that, in that. And I think everything got corrected made whole on all that. So, okay, good. Well, I wanted to, another thing. So Layton city, uh, when I was sitting in fire training classes, you guys, before you were hired as the fire chief, I, I, I know that chief Sholly from Riverdale, he was actively working there. Right. But we, we had a line of duty death. The most horrific thing we could have in an, in a fire department occur with Kendall O'Brien. Right. Yep, absolutely. And uh, a, a really sad story and a, a smaller house and just showing how fast a fire ground can turn from something that may seem benign and mundane to something that takes the life of one of our brothers. You guys have done a great job in Euphra, in your city alone, as well as J- Jared Shelley taking a torch to el- help train these. Yep. Um, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you. This is kind of on the trauma to triumph category. Mm-hmm. How do we take something? I mean, that is absolutely the single most feared thing that occurs on a fire ground or a police ground for a fire or police chief, right? Absolutely. So this is what you fear every day. And I I can tell you, uh, who was the captain? Uh, Val King, right? Val, Val. King. Uh-huh. So he, I was sitting there working with him at Station 52 one night, and we were up to like 2.30 in the morning at Layton. And he was in there. We were just sitting on the back, leaning on the fire truck. And we went into the conversation a little bit. And he talked to me about your conversation about when he wanted to leave Layton. He just didn't want to do it anymore. And he said, no, absolutely. You, you're according to his response to you. Yeah. What well, you said, I'm not going to let you leave, brother. Yeah. Not now. Yep. Like after this, you're the most important guy Absolutely. in the fire service to me. This will never happen on your watch again. And so ever since that conversation sitting in that bay, I've implemented that type of action in our business in a different realm. Obviously, hopefully I don't have a, a job death, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, when I look at people that make mistakes in our business or at work, mm-hmm. it's not I think we're quick to execute, prosecute, terminate, whatever that is, because it's an easy way out. Especially when you look at something like that, it seems like you'd have a a target in an element, like I'm going to get rid of that son of a gun. Look what he did or what could have been the problem, right? So how did you take those unique perspectives and spin them on their head to where saying, look, you've made this mistake for me before. There is no way you're going to make that mistake for me again. And there is no way even more would I ever let you leave because you will not let that happen. You are my key to making sure I have this not, or I don't have this happen again. So in my world, I've taken it and said, look, this guy's made this mistake before. He'll never do that again, right. even though it's nothing to do with life loss. But I use that lesson that Val King taught me and tried to implement it in my decision-making on whether I hire or retain some, or not hire, but retain or let somebody go. It's been an important lesson to me. So I kind of wanted to just expound on on how that felt walking into a department roughly four years post incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't mind covering a little bit about the fire and, and maybe do a little on what had occurred that day that you re, that you guys are well exercised in and in, in learning sure. and teaching the lessons, and then as well as uh, kind of saying how you how you're using this as a as a great tool to create a triumph thing for Kendall and then future firefighters down the line. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yes, I did come just just uh, four years. I, I came up in January of '04, uh, March 31st to 2000 at about 10 p.m. was when Kendall was killed. Um, I knew I was coming into that. I, I knew I was coming to the department. I was a little bit familiar with. It was kind of ironic. I, I remember when when Kendall was killed. I was actually at uh, uh, FDIC West when they used to do up in Sacramento. Uh, 
And uh, this is kind of before everybody had you know, a lot of computer access or their phone to, to read things and all that. I, they had a little kiosk where you had um, different computers you could go on and, and read the news. And so I happened to uh, go up to, you know, read the news here. And I, and I saw and I was talking with somebody about London Death and, and actually Greg Chamberlain was there. Okay. And he was actually reading the news article. And I, I didn't really know Greg at the time. I mean, I kind of knew him from when I worked at Weaver prior, but I really didn't know him that well. I think he, I can't remember where he was in his career at that time, but um, to, he was, he was reading that. And so we kind of interacted and I, you know, I told him I'd worked at Weaver and, and all that. So we, he was reading it and we were just like, man, this is, this is terrible. You know, this is the worst thing that could happen. I was like, yeah, well, you know, subsequently the, the NIOSH report comes out. Usually takes, you know, seven, eight, nine months when the NIOSH report comes out. And one of the things we did in Chandler was every month as part of our training regime, we we were had different companies and, and shifts. We'd go over a line of duty death. You know, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So we take these NIOSH reports and we go through and dissect them and, and apply them to, you know, our department and, and learn from them. You know, that's what we, were, we would do. And I remember specifically that was one of the line of duty deaths that I reviewed uh, for my shift and going through that. So I was familiar with it, at least from the NIOSH report. So it was, it was so it was kind of, it was interesting coming up to say, man, this is now my department. You know, I've got, I've got guys that went through this. In fact, everybody that had been on the, that had been on the department at the time of the fire was still on the department. Nobody, at least as far as I know, nobody had, had left the department. Um, so they were all there. They were all still there. The main, the main players were all still there. And, and the department I could tell was still not healed from it. There really wasn't, I mean, you know, you get the NIOSH report and then there's all the, you know, the firehouse conversations around the table talking about it. And still a lot of this going on, you know, finger pointing back and forth and, you know, talking behind people's backs about it and everything. And so, you know, it's once I got there, I, you know, I wanted to like, listen, like you should, you know, for a while. Listen to what's going on and 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 kind of get to know the folks and build that relationship and trust, which is essential for the team is you got to build trust first of all. So as we started to build that element of trust and um I talked with well Jared was a captain at the time and you know we we talked about the incident and I don't remember the exact specifics of our conversation but it was I was just like, you know what? Jared we Kendall died. We screwed up. We screwed up, and I and I distinctly remembered, you know, the 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 year after Kendall died, when Brett Tarver died down in Phoenix. Yeah, you had that's a big training and, ground and one that, too. That, and I saw what 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 Brunacini did. I'm a big Brunacini fan. I I knew him personally. I considered him to be a a mentor, kind of from afar. I didn't have a super close relationship, but I knew him and would, you know, had an opportunity to listen to him quite a bit in in some you know smaller environments and get to know him a little bit. Uh, anyways, I, I saw what, what Bruno did down there, you know, because I was in that as chief Sullivan was as well. We talk about this when we, when we're teaching, uh, specifically being at the funeral of Red Tarver and him looking at all of his chiefs in the front row saying, people say, did we screw up? Hell yeah. We killed a firefighter and we are not going to let that happen again. And I'm, I will, I am tasking each and every one of you pointing at his, his main staff of officers, his chief officer in the front. So we will fix this. We will find out what went wrong and we will fix this. You know, it's kind of like extreme ownership, ready, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly Jocko right. Wilnick, it's yep. take ownership. Hey, we screwed up. Somebody died. 
we can't, we lost one of our own. We cannot let this happen again. And and I distinctly remember one, you know, coming up that day and pulling into the station and seeing that that monument that we have out there that, yep, that monument 51. for Kendall at, at station fifty one. And I looked at that and I said, I don't want any more of these. And I've told the guys, we're not. I don't want to have to do any more monuments around here. We're going to figure out what happened. We're going to fix it. And so my conversation with with Captain Shelley at that time, Jared was. We're gonna we're gonna dissect this, and we're gonna it's gonna be we're gonna open up some wounds. We're gonna go through. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna, it's not a, it's not that we're you know we're we're trying to pin blame on anybody, but you know we want to talk about what we did wrong and how we can how we could have prevented this and what can we do in the future to prevent it. So um, I I kind of just sort of let Jared go on his own to start pulling all together. We were very fortunate that we had all the audio transmissions and we had somebody from across the street recorded the entire event from the first arriving engines until, until Kendall's pulled out through the window above the garage in which chief, well, Jared was one of the ones that was pulling that, well, that in 2000. That's rare. Now it's on every fire that people yeah, are recording. Yeah. yeah that was, you, can't yeah. Make a mistake. Well, you could tell it's an old, you know, shaky <laughs> video. The guy's probably got the big old video camera yeah. on his you know, side filming. It wasn't a phone. It was just yeah. like a big old video camera. So we, we had that unique uh, video that was a perfect position alpha side of the structure. Yeah. watching everything and when we could see so many things from that that we had that we we talked about part of in, in our habits of highly effective incident commanders we talk about working from a sterile cockpit environment the use of a tactical worksheet we talk about you know things things like that and having situational awareness and um you know seeing our incident commander in the front yard was back to the fire you know our, our battalion chief at the time not reading smoke, not watching what's going on, not not getting distracted, not hearing radio traffic with all the engines revving, the pumps revving, the fans going. You can't hear what's going on, and so we. That's what I, you know, one of the first things I did coming there was we're not going to have our incident commanders because I, I literally my first day I think we had a kitchen fire and I had no idea where I'm going. Of course, so I jump in with the assistant chief and sure, and there is right. there is the incident commander in the front yard walking around. And I'm like. What's he doing? Yeah, you know, he's, you know, he's commander from the front yard. I said, no, we aren't doing that anymore. I told the battalion chief, you will command from that vehicle. And he kind of chuckled. And I said, well, we, but you know, you're going to command from that inside of that vehicle. And uh, so I made abundantly clear that as an incident commander, my expectation, you're going to be in a sterile cockpit environment. It works for the aviation industry for a reason, works in the fire service. And I said, you will sit in there. And in fact, if you, if you have trouble, I will get that officer's handcuffs and I will handcuff you to the steering wheel. Right, and if somehow you get out before the fire is under control, I'll fire you. Yeah, and then they kind of chuckled. I said, "I don't know why you're laughing. I'm dead serious." You know, I've kind of made it pretty clear my expectations on that. And then once they start doing it, they realize how important it is. That's a pretty good idea. So now you know we we, that was one thing that was big. You know, coming from the mecca of incident command with Brunacini, and that was one thing that was just it was it was the. There was no discussion. You just you commanded from the from the sterile cockpit environments. So you could hear radio traffic with a support officer, somebody you know helping you keep track of things, listen for radio traffic, somebody that can challenge the plan, verify the you know challenge, verify the strategy and the plan. Those are all important things that we we've brought up here with our command training. So I was I was working on kind of the command side of it. That was kind of my role as an you know coming in as a as an incident, you know, teaching incident command and really, because I, I realized one thing, I you know, hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but incident command up here kind of sucked. I mean, it really did. And so. This is 20 years ago when you, or 17 years ago when you yeah, got here. Yeah, 17 and a half years ago. You know, it really kind of, it really wasn't very good. So that was kind of my mission to work with you for it to develop a, the command training center and uh, started that 
you know, from the, the day one down there with the, just the idea of, hey, let's have a statewide command curriculum. We'll base it on Brunacini's Fireground Command book. You know, we'll, we'll teach those functions of command. Mm-hmm. And uh, and spread it statewide, so we have consistency statewide. And so that's what it. we've tried to do. Well, you've, you're doing incident command training a lot. Like we get these text messages quite often, right? Yeah, here at yeah. The training center. We do we do quite a bit. And so, so, so from a command standpoint, that was kind of my focus. Is I wanted to make our incident commanders better, you know, and and teach them the right habits, so to speak. You know, so we did that, and then so Jared kind of took the fire itself, the tactical side of it. You know, I had Scott run me, my assistant chief run me up to the the house, of course, looks nothing like it did back then. But I just wanted to get a feel for the size of the home and the so area explain to kind of look at it. Like so, people can visually it's your understand typical this house. Split level, you know, bedrooms over the garage, kind of an entry level walk down, walk up the stairs. At least, you know, the, at the time of the fire, that's what it looked How like. Big? Uh, it was. I I don't know if it exactly. But, you know, it's under two thousand square feet. So you're sub two thousand square feet tri entry. So split yeah, level entry. Just your typical split level entry. One that all of us just, have our starter north home. of Antelope. Yeah, kind of a. And still can get lost. Yep. And you can that still was, die. That was obvious. You know, we right? we made some we made some errors on uh, ventilation errors. It was basically a garage fire that spread through the man door into the structure, and when the fan got put in it at the front door without ex, without at the improper time and improper without improper. Air, you know, flow path. I mean, talking about flow path, that all that happened was that this, that fire raged up the stairs. And that's when you talk with uh, Captain King. Well, they actually called him lieutenants at the time. But, you know, Val's up there, fire's blowing up at him, and it's so hot. He said he could felt like his blood was boiling. He knew he had to go and started pulling him out. And uh, they were started backing out, and he had uh, firefighter uh, Michael Redmond on his first, really first structure fire. And had to, you know, kind of get Micah down the stairs, kind of push him down there because it was like descending into the gates of hell. Sure. And Kendall didn't follow. Kendall, I think, uh, had the idea that maybe he was going to try and separate, try and go out a window or notify somebody. You know, I mean, Kendall was an experienced firefighter. He worked in Ogden full time. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of fire. And he talked about, in fact, the, Scott Adams told me that right before Kendall died, he talked about how he had to work in fire every day on his last three shifts, you know, and. So I, I think he had a different plan. We don't know what went through his mind, but I think he realized he was going to try and find another way out and got separated and was found in an upstairs bedroom. Um, no mask, right? He's, yeah, take, I, he's, he's removed his I, I SCBA. I think his SCBA had been removed and everything. And so, and then he had um, his, I read the NIOSH yesterday, yeah. and then his hand, hands yeah. were in his, in his hand, yeah. trying to protect his face and yeah. filter air. Yeah, out of air and, and uh, uh, empty so, tank. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I, in, I didn't have a radio on, pass alarm had not been activated. It was back before we had integrated pass alarms yep. and things like that. So, you know, made things difficult. There were certainly some things that could have. They saw his flashlight. Yep. That's how they, they located. Yep. That's so, crazy. Yep. So we, we took that out and Jared put together a terrific presentation. I was trying to remember exactly what, what year. I mean, I came out 2004, so it took a year to to really get this thing honed in and uh so jared continued to to provide that that presentation uh pretty emotionally tolling on him for over you know well till the 20th anniversary and then he's essentially retired the the presentation Mm -hmm. um you know but just because we retired the presentation doesn't mean we don't continue to learn from it uh, so that know, went on until last year, roughly. Yep. Yep. It was 20, yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, the 20, 20th year. It's you know it's been it was March thirty first to two thousand. So um, he he finished it up by doing a, actually did a presentation for 
uh, Leighton City. We did it. We actually invited everybody citywide. We invited all the departments to come and and learn from it and allow you know Jared to to share this. And uh, it in, in some way it was almost like closure for him. I think he finally realized. You know, I've been doing this for twenty years. It's taken a toll on me. And I you know and he 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 I had him go down to Arizona and do something down there. Uh, he presented it uh, at uh, Firehouse World in in California. Most <laughs> most of the departments in Utah have well, probably seen that training, presentation. Right? Winter Fire School several yeah. times. He's presented this, and uh, it's it, yeah. He he. I don't remember the exact amount, but he it was you know literally hundreds of presentations over the years, and it it, it it's uh, it's one of those events that. We, you know, we, we look at and say we will continue to learn from this. We, we dedicate um, – one of our training programs we do is in March. We have May Day March. And everything we do on in our training for the entire month of March is focused on May Day operations. I usually do a class on on uh, May Days. I take Don Abbott's 1,000 uh, May Days, you know, and, and do things on, on and his review of these 1,000 of different May Days and talk about – you know, writ and where people are found, the time, how quick maydays are being called, and really kind of go into a lot of the things that encompass you know maydays from a command, mostly from a command standpoint, um, commanding the mayday and and talk about our erupt ac- our erupt acronym that we that we teach and use. And so I usually do one of those classes, but then we go out and we do a lot of drills. I mean, we do a lot of air management drills. We do a lot of saving our own in your awesome skills. new training tower. In in our awesome training tower, yeah. we do them there. And um, this 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 last year. Um, we actually had a theater that was being demolished for condos or townhouses. Imagine yeah, right that. Yeah, yeah, weird. Right, right. Yeah, weird. Well, that's all we can afford. More townhouses. <laughs> yeah, more, more townhouses in Layton. And uh, so that's right right there by the mall. Those mm-hmm. That was all going to be torn down. So we had a very unique opportunity to do a lot of, of mutual aid drills. Man, we, we, we had so many smoke machines going, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And oh, so awesome. we did a lot of great Mayday, Mayday drills and – Kind of exercised our new um, communications. We made a we, we made a helmet transition this year. Oh, nice! It was nothing that nothing that I brought on. <laughs> I have my guys that you know. I, I always oh, wow. tell my guys that my job's to get your your job's to figure out what we need and tell me, and all my job's to get it for you. Yep. And so my my PPE committee and my leader of that and Dying uh, Chief Nance and and Captain John John went went through this. Uh, evaluation we we were you know looking at some helmet transitions so we went to the new uh, msa helmets that kind of look like the motorcycle helmet for lack of a better term they're mm-hmm. pretty i think are pretty cool looking they're like jet fighter pus and i get a lot of grief a lot of grief not from my guy <laughs> it's funny i don't get it from my guys i get it from other departments sure and it's funny my guys that even the ones that were like really seriously you know, you know the fire service. They think firefighters hate has changed the way things are. You know, yeah, and they, they, want, they, you know, they don't like things to stay the same, but they hate change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of years of tradition unimpeded by change and progress. You know, and so we just realized communications were horrible in the fire ground. We've known that for years. I mean, I remember as a battalion chief listening to my guys talk, and it's like that. Yeah, we're like looking it. at my. I'm looking at my support officer. What did he say? I have no idea. And so now with these have integrated communication in there they got a nice good microphone that comes off of here and uh, you're able to hear God. really well and, and radio transmissions are, are clear 
Um, so anyway, we, we, we had a chance to really exercise these on our. So what do you think? I'm going to stop really so. quick on when you bring up communications. There's still departments in our county or other counties, local, small volunteer that are running no communications into the fire ground. Like Morgan County, zero. Hmm. We don't go in with an earpiece or nothing. Now your captain yeah. has a radio. Yeah. Well, I, that I mean, scares me to death it, for me. It, it is. I mean, communication uh, on the fire ground is essential. We got horns. But right. you've been in a fire. Yeah. You can't always hear horns. You got water, you got fire, you've got stress. Yep. What do you hear? I mean, yeah, okay, there's some loud horns, but guess what? They like I honked. You're like, uh, didn't hear anything. I was on that Wilkinson asphalt fire, that Wilkinson. Oh, yeah. uh, that was crazy. I was the first driving engine with Chief Rich, and it was just Chief Rich and I in the truck. We pull up. I was like, hey, I'll get the water. You grab a nozzle, you go in. And uh, I walked in and it was, to give you an idea, like a 20 foot building, 14 foot door. So you could have about six foot of buildup smoke before it was barreling outside the garage bay. Well, there was a little smoke, but it hadn't built up that much. And I walked into the bay room and they had those big six foot radius, half inch thick glass halogen lights, you know, those big, yeah, big ones. Right. So I looked up there and I saw this little candlestick. I'm like, oh, there's the fire. That ain't much. And then I hit it with a little, you know, pencil stream. And I'm like, wait a second, that's pretty big. So I kind of fogged it out to see what it was. I'm like, oh, yeah. this whole thing's up, right? Yeah. Everything above me. And I'd gone, I don't know, 30% into the bay, right? So right when I did that, I took the nozzle and I went above my head to see how much under the fire I was. Well, guess what that does? Oh, yeah. Disturbed the light. Absolutely, so guess what yeah. comes down? Oh, That well. six-foot halogen <laughs> came right down oh, and it geez. cut my fire line right, in wow. eye, right off. I had my nozzle. So then after that, the garage bay came down. So that was the closest I've ever come to really being killed on a fire ground. It was literally at the toes of my, my feet. And wow. I didn't get hurt, not at all, but that was, that could have been really close. You know, that being said, I'm fine. But I walked outside with just the tail of this nozzle and <laughs> Waller looks at me. He's like, Hey, your hose is cut. I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> like there's no water. This yeah. hose is doing this. Right. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I'm going in. I'm like, dude, don't go in there. Yeah. That thing, there's fire all through the top. And they had an asphalt distributor, which spreads asphalt on the streets. Right. That was fully engulfed. All these different things were fully going. And I'm like, you know, we walked up and we had mutual aid from South Ogden come up and all of us were hiding kind of behind the engine at the time. Acetylene tanks and oxygen tanks were blowing up and they were just shooting everywhere, you wow. know? So we're all hiding like a bunch of, you know, firefighters that are afraid of getting hit with a tank, right? That's, that's bottom line. Yeah. So yeah, we don't like blevies. I'll never forget. I, here comes Bronson in South Ogden's platform or, you know, their platform shows up and he gets out like a heroic firefighter should, yeah. right? He's got his captain's hat on. He gets out, he looks around the bay and all of a sudden, boom, tank goes out. You see Bronson slide. He's like, well, why didn't you tell? He was walking right towards the open, <laughs> right? Go, why didn't you tell me things were exploding in there? I'm like, didn't you see us like hiding in the corner? Like for a second while things were blown up. He's like, well, then he started talking about that was one of those incidences, how quickly you can get caught off mm -hmm. guard. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, the communication component, like chief rich had a radio, but I wasn't a captain, so I don't have a radio. Yeah. So I'm inside a bay and that, you know how it is when tanks are going on. Oh, absolutely. And when asphalt yeah. distributors are burning and then you've got the stuff all above your head going. It, you know, after that incident, and I was used to Roy, Roy did a really good job for the equipment that we had then. We had earpieces and we had mics. And even though you, you're exactly right, you couldn't hear the first word really or understand the words being said, but you could hear communications. You could hear a mate tone. You could, you could at least make that out. Right. right. If you needed to pull out, you could at least get out. Right. But when you go in blind, to me, it's super scary. And I, I also believe it's, it's completely wrong of counties or cities to expect firefighters to go in deaf. 
right? To not yeah. take the proper precautions for those guys. And I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent. I just think as a taxing agency or as a citizenry, we should give them the right tools, just like you've done for Leighton City. The first time I saw those masks was in uh, Hong Kong, China. I'd gone to Hong Kong and I saw these, uh, this little teeny fire truck. And yeah. then I watched these Chinese guys get out with those helmets. And I thought they were pretty weird looking. They looked like firefighter or not firefighter, but she's fighter jet pilot helmets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, that was the first time I saw that, but, um, and I'm great. If they improve communications and they improve protection, then I don't care what it looks like. You're going home. Yeah. That's yeah. the bottom line. <laughs> like whatever it takes to help us improve your safety, regardless if you want to be the traditional firefighter helmet. I agree. I love the traditional firefighter. Well, it helmet. Looks, I mean, looks how, how much wrong is that? You know, those are yeah. beautiful. Yeah, but. yeah. It was designed to keep water from going down the back of your neck. Well, yeah, it's wonderful. Well, now with the new turnout gear, that's not a problem It's not relevant, anymore. <laughs> right? So it's just like, what did we do? Well, we used to ride a horse and buggy to work, Yeah. right? My grandma used to cut both ends of the ham, as they say. Yeah, There's exactly. a lot of different things. You get a bigger pan, right? Oh, I, So I we was, changed. I loved riding tailboard. And, but right? I, that, that was me right there. Day boots, no Nomex hood. Everything will kill Everything, you. So yeah. choose something fun. That's right. right. <laughs> I, I, I did. I rode, when I first went to Channel, we rode, we rode tailboard, had the day boots and no, there was no such thing as no mech hood. We knew when to go out because our ears started blistering. We're like, dang, it's hot in here. We got to get out. You right. Know, we had SCBAs that were, you know, demand. They weren't positive pressure at the time. So, you know, change. things change. Yeah. Things have to change. We have to embrace it and be, be change agents for the department of fire service. You know, our missions evolved so much, you know, with 83%, 84% of all of our call volume. EMS. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a big thing for us, of course. You know, it keeps our our mission and relevancy alive in our in our city, and it allows us to, to have the staffing we do. Yeah, as a transport agency, it's it's huge. Yeah, you know. True. So so yeah, that 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 uh, we've had to make some changes. You know, and that that that's all come about. I mean, right after Kendall was killed, they did get an upgrade on the air packs at the time uh, with the integrated pass, and so there was some there was some you know equipment type changes done but it, procedurally there wasn't a whole lot different and so that's where we realize is we need we real we realize we need to look at this we need to learn from it it's kind of like uh you know that scene out of ladder 49 where you know john travolta's playing the officer that comes in the guys are all at the kitchen table about ready to get in a fight and he's like what the hell's going on here in my house you know i just come from telling her mother his her son's been killed and this is going on in my house you know we get right. through this by this then I kind of use the same words. We're going to get through this by sticking together. We're going to learn from it, and that's how we're going to honor Kendall. And that's that's what we've said. We've 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 got the the, the motto in our training room. Right. Every our motto is every day is a training day, and so that's that's huge. We're, we we keep his memory alive. I mean we we honor him every year, March thirty first, with a, a a tone and. Moment of silence, you know. Of course, you know as we've transitioned, several of the department members are are now that were there are are gone, mm -hmm. moved on, and they're either retired or moved on. Like Chief Shawley now moved on other other positions in the department uh, and other departments in in leadership roles, which mm -hmm. is exciting as a chief to see. I mean, well, and then they can carry the lessons and they learned carry from, from you there. guys and forward. Absolutely, to the next. absolutely. So even Weber County, like the Brett Tarver incident, of course, mm -hmm. you know this has been heavy in the UFA training as well yep. as the Kendall Bryant. This <clears throat> really helped change the dynamics, and I think as a young firefighter getting into the business. We have this heroic mantra in our heart, right? That we want to go do this and this is how we can do it. But I don't, 
I don't think we all understand until we start getting the reality that, yeah, it's going to be fun to go ahead and try to fight the fire and save lives and do whatever we're doing. But at the end of the day, the most important life that we're going to save or protect is our own. Right. And we can't, what do they say? A dead hero's a useless hero. It's just a whatever, right? They're worse. They're they're hard to, they're just another problem. Right. So I think we, we look at it and when reality starts to set in, and I think it takes a few of those incidents, unfortunately, to help us stay safe, to keep, make sure that we stay in check. It's like, Hey, look, the reasons we train and the reasons we have the hard conversations is to protect us in the future. So we can do more than one, just one fire. Yeah. Right. And, and I think you guys have taken on a unique role in understanding and ownership of the problem. Absolutely. Or, and then being able to share that to prevent other people from having to try to digest and sleep at night with that. And, right? and, and, and Phoenix did that with what the, 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 the project was called the recovery. Uh, Chief Sullivan and I both participated in, the different uh, training evolutions at some acquired structures. We did a lot of RIT drills. Uh, we went out and did a lot of drills on air management and really talked about the round trip ticket in, in terms of, you know, air management. Cause you know, he used to say, Hey, when are you going to call media by last time breath? Wrong answer, you know? And so we really went out and uh, put, get, got that message out, but we were exposed to that. I mean, we all, we toured the Southwest supermarket. We toured the site, you know, some hallowed ground, very sobering, you know, seeing that, made it real. And every department in the Valley was involved in these different operations throughout the Valley to get everybody on the same page. Cause which is one thing we didn't in down in the Phoenix area with our automatic aid system was so robust. You know, I went on as many structure fires in Phoenix and Tempe uh, than I did in Chandler. You know, right. I, I was on the, I was captain on a West side engine company that bordered Phoenix and Tempe. And I, you know, we, we went on every work and fire in the South end of Tempe or the East side of the Southeast corner of Phoenix. And so, you know, we, we all work together. That's why we had. You guys have good a good mutual aid agreement now. I we, mean, we, we do pretty good with it. We do. And, and, and I think both Weber and Davis County have been very good at it, just like the Salt Lake County has as well. You know, we, it, it's going to get, it's got to get better. I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm a big advocate of AVL sending the, the closest resource to help Mrs. Smith, the legendary Mrs. Smith doesn't care what your shirt says, doesn't care what the, the color of your fire engine is, unless maybe it's yellow. No, sorry, Dave. <laughs> no, no they don't, they don't care. They don't care. They just want somebody there. That's, that's prompt. That gets there quickly is efficiently and is, is kind, nice and takes care of their problem. Mm-hmm. They don't care what it says. They just want somebody there fast. And so using automatical vehicle locators and consolidated dispatch, we're, we're still working on in Davis County, but sending the closest appropriate resource is what really matters to the customer. And so, you know, we are in, in Leighton. We do a, a lot of – in Davis County, it's kind of interesting. And, and when I first got there, we we didn't do that. And, and I'm not saying it's it's all me. I just kind of champion the cause that, hey, we're all in this together. And so now, you know, when we get a work – we get a structure fire call in Leighton, my truck company's Hill Air Force Base. I mean, I, I love it. They are my truck company. Mm-hmm. And those guys love it. Sure, I they, mean, they show up with five <laughs> – yeah, they show up with five or six guys. Well-trained. Like, well, they, yeah, they look, they're well, tra- that's because those guys do train, as, as Brittany Sheen says, they look like five guys that came out of central casting, right? you know, and, and a battalion chief with an aide shows up. And so we've got another command resource that we can put in a, a forward position or as a support officer, depending on when they arrive. And so we use them all the time. And we, we just had them on the last structure fire we had them on, we, they were there. Um, and so they're, they're always coming. We're and if we've got North Davis coming in, we've got Syracuse coming in, Caseville. We're going into Kaysville a lot. We're going to Syracuse on all their structure fires. So we all work much better together, even though we don't really have a true consolidated. We've got 
some fixes right now that we're doing with the dispatch centers. But uh, the the good thing is we're all on the same page. I, I was a, a member of the and down in Arizona, we, we, we had what we called the it was the um, the 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 ROC, the Regional Operational Consistency Committee, ROCC. And I, as a battalion chief, in when I was kind of over deployment and all that down at Channer, I was part of the ROC, and and that's where everybody in the valley had representation from all the different departments, and we would go through, you know, consistency standards on volume two with the field operation guide, and you know, like okay, what are we going to call that? You know, that two and a half that we pull out of the back with the gated Y with inch and three quarter. Well, we call it a, we call it an eyelay. Well, we call it an apartment lay. We call it a lead bed. We call it a horizontal standpipe. Well, guess what? We're going to call it one thing. And so after a little bit of back and forth, horizontal standpipe. And I don't care what you call it in the past. It's now horizontal standpipe. And that's actually what we use in Davis County. I mm-hmm. never really much to do with that. But we have developed a Davis County field operations guide. In fact, we're just this next month, we're doing it. We, we re, try and review it every year, get all the chiefs or deputy chiefs from the department, and we go page by page of the field operation guide. It's it's So it's something we can pull out for especially low-frequency, high-risk events that right. we talk about. And so we'll, we go through that and make sure that it's nothing's changed on there. And, and so everybody's on agreement that that fog guide is what we are going to use. It's kind of our our version of the of the rock, right. so to speak, so that we're all working together on it. So how do you get – this is going to – you're going to love this one. Yeah. Super A personalities like Chiefs. Yeah. To all wear the same shirt. I mean, I get it that they're white, yeah. but you've got a white shirt here and a white shirt here, and they all have these giant I like to just blend in. I, like, I see a, that. And I'm I, a fireman. I, this is and what we I wear. appreciate it. I, I saw, I can't remember her name, the new uh, DC for Ogden City. I love her. She's Shelby. Shelby. Shelby yeah, I saw her at Lowe's yesterday, and she had a blue button up, and I'm like, you know what? I love that. Yeah. Right? Just, I don't know. I mean, I, I love what she's been doing for Ogden. Uh, I personally done, haven't been she's involved done tremendous. She's done tremendous things there. Absolutely. Just she's from the outside. Yeah. You know, and I, and I see you got Matthews and you have, I'm not nothing. I love Cameron West to death. Like Cameron West is a wonderful man. And I love Jared Shawley. I love giving him a hard time, right? I love all our, we were Paul Sullivan and, and now golden over at Roy, you know, yeah. I, they're great, right? It's just when you try to get them all in the same room and on the same page, just like what you're saying, mutual aid agreements and AVLs, right? The, the automatic vehicle locator, that's the closest unit to the call. Well here, it's funny. We tried that and it lasted about 20 minutes, I think in yeah. Ogden and Weber County, where we'd literally drive by a call lane, you know, we're going back and forth to McKD all day. And then you'll have a cardiac arrest. You're coming down and hitting the addresses at this house next to you. You got family looking for 911. And they're like, hey, hey, hey. And we're like, oh, well, we're not your truck. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, we're going to stop. But right. then all of a sudden, you have territorial a personality, firefighter, Absolutely. paramedics. Like, what are yeah. you doing here? It's like, uh, I couldn't really drive by waving, saying, good luck with that, dude. Yeah. Like, I know the call. So. I, I find it ironic that people are still staking claim, kind of like the old golden gold rush days on what what's yeah. going on. I think it's kind of funny, and I think it's a little bit sad that we just – I think at the end of the day, it does pan out. In a 365-day period, you're going to get some over here. We're going to get some over there. And at the end of the day, our call volume is going to remain pretty much stable. Of course, Ogden has a ton of calls. Right. But I don't – I think the only loser here is the citizen. So you're cheerleading the AVL and, and we're trying. closest unit. Yeah, is we're important. trying. Yeah, it, we're we're trying, and and I know there's you know there's everybody wants in their their ambulance for the call or whatever, and I, I get you know and and I understand it. it's it's hard bill to swallow because like I there's said, citizen behind. doesn't care. Yeah. There's revenue behind it, but you know at the same time we just need to remember why are we here? What you know? What, right. You know, hey chiefs, and and why are we all here? You it's know, I serve. mean, we all have a little bit of different mission statements. 
but they all revolve around the fact that we are going to provide the you know like ours 100% customer satisfaction. None of us is as smart as all of us, you know. I mean, that's we have to a rising tide raises all ships kind of a thing. We all want to get better. Well, getting better means we all work together. We we realize and stay focused on why we're here. Just take care of the citizens, figure out what the problem is and solve it. That's a hard struggle for us, for all of us, I think, yeah. is when you have a really smart person, which we require in everything we do, whether it be fire, paramedics, EMS, whatever it is that we do, business here, we want to hire the best of what they do. Like Ken, he's great at his job. But one of the things I tell Ken is like, I, I, I'm great. I, I'm, I love the fact that you're the greatest and you're great at what you do, but it's more important to me that you're able to teach down Mm-hmm. And be able to spread, and then also trust, so hire someone that's better at you at something, so that way we can raise all ships, right? Absolutely. Right? We, it is important that you recognize. I want a tattoo on my forehead that says, "I I don't know," <laughs> right? Because I mean, ultimately, I know yeah. something of something, but yeah. I don't have the answer to even finish that question all the way through correctly. Right. Whatever question it may be. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can really hurt, hurt ourselves, our employees, our our partners when it comes down to saying, "Hey, I'm." I know I'm the guy I have the answers. Well, there's some great input from you and there's some great input from him and he may have some input on fire that, you know, he's never even been in fire, but sometimes it's worth just listening and it gets hard as we spend more and more time and seasoning like yourself to be able to, you know, that we get into these careers longer and deeper and like, Oh, that guy doesn't know. He's just starting yesterday. Well, and that's, you've you've got to be a lifelong learner. I mean, I kind of joke about just getting started. I mean, I, I tell goes. I've only I've I've only been doing this for forty four years, man. I got a lot to learn, and they're all like chuckling. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm a voracious reader of of leadership and history, and a lot of fire history. And man, my my vehicle is my university on wheels. I was listening to Sean Anchor's Big Potential on the way over here. Just got through with the, I love the book Audible. on Paradise, and I mean, it gets me listen to a lot of books. I I saw a thing by Blinklist that said the average CEO reads like sixty books a year. I'm like. Wow. I'm way behind. How do you, yeah. I'm like, how do you read that many? I mean, I'm lucky if I get a book a month. And I'm yeah. listening right now. I buy my captains a book every month at okay. our officers meeting. I give them a new book. We did the one before that was Leadership Strategy and Tactics by, by Jocko. You know, we have you done Disrupt You? No. That is not. important. That one, I, that was a change, a dynamic change for all our office. Disrupt You basically says take what you do every day and flip it on its back. Just be willing to do something different and try to disrupt your everyday same thinking for constant growth, constant friction in your life. It made, I've listened to it a few times now. Yeah. It sounds a lot like think again by Adam. I'm sure it sounds sounds like the same kind of, same kind of principles. And so that, you know, I've, I've got them extreme ownership. I've got them fortitude, but Dan Crenshaw, I love that. I love that book too. So I bought, you know, I buy them for all of our, our, all of our, our staff. And I usually have an extra one or so I give the city manager, you know, but um, you know, it's important. I mean, re- reader, you know, that leaders are readers and readers are leaders, you know, not, yeah, not all readers are leaders, but I can tell you every leader is a reader sure. because, you know, the, for, for somebody to succeed in their career at a, especially at a perform at a higher level, the ability to write well and the ability to speak well are, are key. Right. And you, you, you speak well, I think in some ways by listening to a lot of these things and audibles help you kind of listen to somebody read and present. But at the same time, when you're reading, that helps you understand kind of the the written communication when you're going through and highlight and read it. So uh, that's that's a big big part of it. So yeah, uh, we 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 really have taken it like going back to our hiring right now. We are we are going through some big change. We got our station four under construction. Yeah, congratulations! We're in the that's oh, been thanks. 2010 rough goal, right? Wasn't it? 
been yeah, 10 years well, or so. It, when I first applied here, they had Station 4 coming soon. <laughs> so <laughs> that's 17 Seriously. Years. When yeah. actually it was on to plan on a piece of property we still own behind Target. Oh, wow. Well, we rechanged some of the priorities based on response times and GIS analysis on where we were covered and where we weren't. So we opted to make that Station 5 eventually. Um, build station four over east of 89 on a great spot that gave us a covers a big hole where we had the extended response times. We're actually going to relocate station three, just less than about a mile away Southwest to hit that, that GIS study. You know, we want to have a four minute travel time to every spot in the city. And when we have those five stations, every station will be Within a four minutes. minute travel time. Eventually when we get there, that's all part of our strategic analysis and placement of stations and everything. So we're the process of, we just um, hired 12 folks. Uh, we're, we're planning on, well, we're hiring more because we've had some retirements too. But, um, you know, and then we're going to hire July. We'll hire another six is our plan pending, you know, bu- budget approval. So we're going through some big transitions. I mean, it's, I, I, I look on the department here in the 17 and a half years, man, there is there is a huge chunk of our department that's got less than five years on this, less than five Isn't that years crazy? on the department. Back when, back when you started, there was probably 70% with more than five years. Oh, and now yeah. you have 70% oh, yeah. we had with a lot. less than five yeah, years. Yeah, we had a lot. We had part-timers <clears throat> at that at that time. We've gone away from part-time a couple of years ago to, mm-hmm. you know, full career. I've got a couple of part-time positions. Uh, you know, I still have a, a part-time pub edge specialist and I got a part-time training captain, which Perfect. is nice. I've kept one of our part-timers that had been a part-time captain and kept kept captain hall on and oh, wow. uh, she's full-time salt lake city and she helps run our academy and our a lot of our training and it's an essential part of our organization so i'm like told the boss i gotta keep her on sorry part-time. she's so, a keeper yeah so we got to keep part-time but you know we're making that transition and this is the first time we actually dropped our hiring requirements to only be basic emt because well, we're going to do our own well now. we're going to we're going to give them a year to get their advanced We'll help them any way we can to help them do it, give them the time off if they're on duty. So we give them a year to get it. But we're also providing our own fire academy, our own um, in, in-house in house training academy to get people their fire one and two certifications. Because we realize, you know, we are committed. You know, I read a book called The Talent War. One of my guys told me about it. I hadn't heard about it. One of my firefighters told me, hey, you need to read The Talent War. And I read it. And I'm like, yeah, we're, 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 we're doing the wrong kind of hiring. we got to hire for character. We got a hierarchy for character and, and drive and desire. You know, we can we can train them. The, we can train the skills. Let's hire for character. So we went through a different kind of a training process or a different um, uh, hiring process and different way that we hired this year. You know, and we talked about the. How was your applications? Uh, we had we actually had 186 applicants. Whoa, that's a big increase. Um, uh, about 150 something actually were at least qualified, which means they're at least an EMT. So we had about 20-something people that didn't even have their EMT. I just had because It's one filter. Whatever. They, right. they turned it in. So then what we did, we, we had 150, and um, of those applicants, we went to a, a new program that um, actually we were kind of trying to figure out. We were like, man, we got 150 applicants. What are we going to do? And I was talking with uh, Chief Mon, who does my mm-hmm. you know, town chief Mon does our kind of over our hiring and deployment. He's my kind of my admin BC and health and safety BC and training BC. Poor guy mm-hmm. wears like nine hats and I work him to death and he's amazing. So we said, what are we going to do? And I, and I got a phone call and I go, oh, my buddy, West Trainer. He used to be a battalion chief down in Phoenix. And he says, hey, I've got, I'm working with my son, whose son's a captain in Gilbert. And he said, uh, we've been working on a, on a process. He says, I, I saw you guys are hiring. He saw it on Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And I go, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're trying to figure out what to do. He goes, well, I think I can help you. I've got a, my son and I have come up with this company kind of during the pandemic when departments tried to figure out how they were going to hire people. 
Um, I think you might be interested. So we got together, did a little conference call, did a little demo thing on it. And so it's got Public Safety Answers is the company. And basically what you do is we send people an online link and they take a test online. Um, it's a couple hundred questions that were developed by an industrial psychologist that sees whether or not this person is a based on their answers or they fall in terms of whether they're a fit for the fire service. And it bans them. I mean, it gives them percentage, but uh, like a percentage, but it also bans them. So you got the red, yellows, and the greens. Red, you know, yeah, they're probably not, this probably ain't cut out for them. Yellow, yeah, they could be. You know, you might want to look at them a little more, or they're green. And so we thought, well, there's one filter, you know, so we kind of filtered some through. Well, after they, they take that test, they actually, they know they're going to be recorded. So now they, they we, we gave them a couple of questions to answer. After they take that test, they go to the next part, and they do a, a video. And they, the question appears, and they we give them a couple minutes, like three minutes or so, to answer the question. You know, it's like kind of, you know, what's your definition of moral courage and how have you demonstrated that in the past? And it was like one of the ones we used. And we just kind of came up with some questions. And so we let them, they record themselves. They get a couple attempts at it in case, you know, the dog's barking. or the Is kids, that a video or a sound run, No, this is video. They're, oh, they, wow. they know they're going to be recorded. On the screen. On the screen. So they, and in fact, back on that other test, people say, well, can't they cheat? Well, it's one of those ones you really can't cheat on. And actually, it flags them if they leave the screen, like to go over to Google or something. Right, right. It flags it. And so they, if they leave the, if they leave the website, they get flagged for that. So, and we, we didn't have anybody do that. It's, they're pretty simple questions. It's just whether or not they're a fit for the, and they're repetitive, service. right? They just ask yeah, them the yeah, same questions. Different ways, in different so, yeah. There's, so there's no way that there's no really way to game it or whatever. So, so then they, they give the first question, they get a couple of times and they, now they can't go back if they do the, on the third try, which we didn't know whether to give them two or three tries. And, this is something again. Wes is. We were one of Wes's first customers. He just developed this in in the pandemic time, and uh, so we let them record. But they can't go back and say, "Oh man, I like the first one. I did better." Because once you once you re-record, <laughs> it's it's, it's done. So you're you're at the risk of when people say, "Well," but they've heard the question. Now they have a second time to answer it. So that's okay. I mean, if they want to change their words a little bit, feel free. You know. So they they did that. So they answer a couple of questions and they submit it. So we get the big list of where they are in terms of their their banding. And then we sat down our our hiring committee. We had you know our recruitment committee got together and they they watched all the videos, kind of made their marks, and it was almost like. West kind of says, kind of like a swipe left, swipe right. Tinder, <laughs> the Tinder of the fire service. The Tinder of the fire service. <laughs> nope, swipe left, swipe, or whatever way direction right. it is. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Oh, this is awesome. So we made notes of it. So we actually, we had about 100 and out of the 150 or whatever, I think we had about 120 or so take the test, 120, 125, something like that. I don't remember the exact number. But um, after they did that, we reviewed them and we, we invited the top 70 to come up for our version of the test, which I want to give it all away, but we have some kind of interpersonal skills testing that we do and some team building things, team building situations we put them in, uh, medical scenario, um, you know, where we have our crews all down there, you know, playing ping pong and cornhole. Say, mm-hmm. hey, hey, here, you know, let's play. Hey, so what do you do? What do you do? Hey, where do you live? Yeah, what's you know? Wait, what do you like to do on your day? You know, what do you like to do for hobbies? Just, and just, enough, yeah. just to get to know people and see if they're a, a fit. We're looking for, you know, we're looking for the best fit. And right. and so we we kind of came up. We realized we had some tremendous applicants by the time we got through that. We 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 feel like we've hired 
it's the best of the best. I'm mean, real happy with the, with the process and everything. So. so in those questions, the next question is if they want to get in the fire service, what would you say the best way to get ready? I mean, obviously that's a big, huge question, but if, if you were had a, a 60 second answer to like, Hey, look, I want to, I want to get in the fire service. What would the steps be to be able to apply for Layton properly or to have the best chance? Right. So yeah. if you had some bullet points, you'd want to cover looking for the best applicants, what well, are you looking for and what do they need? Well, I, I will tell you, here's, here's funny you mentioned that. Here's kind of my big five. This is what I tell our, our, Okay. Our recruits and and I didn't necessarily come up with this list myself. I actually heard it on a podcast one time. I like I like that. <laughs> it was really good from the Fit to Fight podcast. He said we're looking for people that are committed to committed to physical fitness. You know, we want our, our want our we want you to be physically fit and mentally fit for the job. You know, we want to be prepared. We need to be prepared at our best. We you know we swore the oath that we be at our best on their worst day. You know, and like the Fit to Fight for our podcast is, it's not because we want to. It's because we work to. You know, would you want you rescuing you? So commitment to commitment to fitness. Number one, positive mental attitude. We want people to come into work with a great attitude. I want, I'm hiring guys for attitude and I can, attitude is everything. I mean, that's kind of a big, that's a huge deal to me. I, in fact, I got a really nice text message from my, one of my, well, one probably one of my biggest mentors in my career, Bill Evans. He was my, he was cap, we were captains together. He became a battalion chief rather quick and I worked for him for years. I was his battalion captain, kind of his fit for, mm-hmm. for a couple of years and loved it so much. I did it again for a couple more years and he was amazing. And he sent me a real nice text message. He does a class on customer service in the fire service and he, and he says, you know, he's been doing this presentation for, you know, 35, 37 years. He says, and you're, you're the one I talk about, what about a guy that comes to work with the right kind of an attitude and the right kind of drive. And it's kind of a nice text message, you know. And, I, and it's hard it's, to do it's a big deal. sometimes. Oh, you have stresses. It's a, it's a daily decisions. We want yeah. people with a good positive mental attitude that, you know, that, that come to work looking for the best. And, you know, they're going to be, that, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people with a strong work ethic. That's huge. You know, we we are looking for people that aren't afraid to jump in and get things done. That just aren't you know sitting around. If it needs to be done, do it. I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that have the heart of a servant, and and really we we, it's all about service before self. And so that's what we're looking for. And then we're looking for a lifelong learner because like you know, it's kind of mentioned. I've only been doing this forty four years. I got a lot to learn. When it changes, got to be, and it changes a lot. EMS changes. Well, you've been a medic for a long time. I mean, I'm seventy seven. You know, I mean, that's a lot. I was barely born, so I'm not trying to rub any salt. No, in I know. <laughs> I was seventy four. I mean, I see sticks, and I you know, I mean, we did some really cool stuff back then. <laughs> I mean, we somehow we saved a bunch of lives, but uh, you know, we've evolved. The fire service evolved. You know, slicers. Versus reseal BS and and flow path and all these things that we talk about, you, you and it know? changes like back. Yeah. So we'll get away. Like so, this yeah. is what we're doing. I'm like, wait a second. I that's thought right. we went away from it last time. <laughs> right. Well, we did, and it didn't yeah. work. So, so we're going back. So let's have learn. So I tell people that's what we're committed to, and and we empower our people. That's a big. I've got a big thing. I give my guys an empowerment statement. Again, plagiarism is rampant. The fire service took something I took from from Phoenix and Brunacini. You know, I tell our guys this is your firefighter empowerment. In fact, here's the card so you don't forget. You know. Is it the right thing to do? Is it legal, moral, and ethical? You know, is it something within your your scope and your ability to do? Are you willing to be held accountable for it? Then just do it. You don't have to ask permission. Just do it. And and so I preach that to my guys to empower them to do whatever it takes. You know, we used to, when I first got there, we couldn't get, if somebody ran out of gas and showed up at the fire station, we couldn't even give them a gallon of gas. We told them, hey, the station's about a mile and a half down the road. You, you know, good luck. Way. You know, I mean, now people show up, hey, I'm out of gas. Okay, come on around back. Let me give you a little gas. I'm going to top you off. I want to yeah. bring up your uh, the whole thing on 
what you just talked about with like plagiarism is this. And then, you know, how you were saying this is, if it's honorable, if this is do it. Yeah. Right. So you and I, we had a, a incident in officer's class mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it was one of these things that they said I'd copied a, a test thing. Right. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't have the books. And I think you recall that I didn't, and I'd come up and I, I'm like, I'm completely confused. And Dave was frustrated. And we've since talked about this. Yeah, and it's all yeah. down to bed. But what I really appreciate what you did is there was a lot of heated temper. I'm, I'm pretty a personality and, yeah. and so is he, and we all are. And I don't mean that we, that's kind of a cliche saying, sure. but I want to defend myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, wait, I did not copy this. So whatever you guys are thinking, but anyway, I never really had the chance to, it was really nice to have just a level head. Like there was heated exchanges. I was being probably unprofessional and defensive. And I know that that, that Dave was a little bit right without having a, t- a chance. Of course he was offended. And of course he was bothered that he felt like a firefighter that was progressing into officer was taking or plagiarizing or cheating in any way. I would be frustrated too. Right. Yeah. But it was really nice to have a level head sitting next, you were on my right. Yeah. And you're like, Dave, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I just, I've never had a chance to tell you thanks. So, but I, a hundred percent agree. And I think when you go into, to this, this service, especially when you're giving these really odd, unique scenarios where you're walking into people's homes where they have may have passed away or they're really sick and you're hauling the only resident or the family members out of their home. Mm-hmm. There's valuables, there's medications, there's all sorts of things that if you had the wrong person in that role could really capitalize and sure. take advantage of those scenarios. Right. So as a chief and as a hiring recruitment officer or a trainer, you really do have to filter what is the wrong apple in this group and what who's going to take advantage to these risks. Like right. if my department partner if you were my rescue partner, we go in and all of a sudden something's missing. I'm just as guilty as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me who your friends are. I tell you who you are. And it's the yeah. fishnet theory, unfortunately, in the fire world. Right. Like, obviously, no one wants to own it. It's all you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a, a, a unique duty to make sure that we're filtering out any of the people that are going to take advantage of these type of scenarios, which, unfortunately, you're never going to stop them all. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to want to tell you, thanks for, for having a level head in, in heated scenarios that for me, it meant a lot, but for two, it is a difficult spot to hire because there is people and it could have very well been me that day that was trying to plagiarize and take advantage of some well, scenarios. Yeah. And, that, and that's one thing I talk about in my company officer classes, you know, people always, it's sort of similar related to that is, you know, people say, well, it's different integrity. Well, it's doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Well, that's true. It's also doing the right thing when everybody's looking because you got to be willing to stand up and right the wrong <laughs> and, right. and stop and it and, and, and do that. And it, 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 it kind of, you know, I was talking about the honor code of the Air Force Academy and, and all the academies will not lie, steal, nor cheat, nor tolerate those amongst us that do. Right. You know, I talk about a good friend of mine whose son and daughter both went to the Air Force Academy and got them both in. And their daughter, I mean, we knew her since she was, they've been lifelong friends. I knew when she was a baby and you know and then we always she just was always a little different growing up she's just wicked smart and i remember when she was like nine going man this she's gonna be like a rocket scientist and stuff yeah she became a rocket scientist she went to air force academy she was vice chair of the uh the uh physics department at the air force academy and when she went back to go back there but um that year they had a cheating scandal and lost several cadets i can't remember what the number was like seven or eight cadets something like that and i always tell people guess how many cheated I uh, like two. Six got expelled because they knew. They take it Fair. serious. They yeah. take it serious. So you're right. We got to hire the right. We got to hire the right the right folks. I mean, that's why we're, you know, it's 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 character is what we're hiring for. And so, you know, I I think us opening up to, um, you know, just an EMT and hiring the right people and providing the training. That's been that's 
That's key. We mm-hmm. have some. I got some rock stars coming Good. in, and we excited. We've hired such such amazing people, lately. and it's been difficult the last several years. Yeah, it's been we, difficult. Yeah, and I mean, people. people were like, "Man, yeah, that many applicants." Yeah, because you know what, it's a great city to work for. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll brag on my my boss a little bit. I, I work for the city manager, and you talk about a man of honor and integrity. That's Alex Jensen. I mean, yeah. he is he is the he is the leader for the city, and I absolutely love the guy. He is such a just a terrific leader, and and he's. He's just super smart along the way, but he has such great vision for the department, whether it be, you know, Utopia back when it was getting a bad rap and now everybody in the world wants on Utopia. Right. Especially with the pandemic, like, man, those guys were geniuses. <laughs> but, you know, he, he had such great vision for that. And, and even in the lean times, you know, the 2008, 2009, people, cities were furloughing people and laying people off, even here in Utah. Guess yep. what? We didn't lay anybody off, and guess what? We all got a raise. It wasn't right. very big. You were it, but, but you every, got one. everybody got a raise. We have I mean, got a raise every year since I've been here for 17 years. That was a chatter, a raise. by the way. That were up here, we were kind of like, well, Layton's doing raises because we had a seven-year, like, no raise. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. So everybody pointed south, and, and I'll, I'll not say the chief, but then they said, hey, look, well, they're paying this much up north, and they're paying this much that south. And they go, well, that's about seven miles that way, and that's about 19 miles that way. <laughs> that was your answer. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that was, and that was disheartening too, because it felt like it was just a pass off, right? Yeah. Like, hey, well, this isn't quite right. We're we're sitting here, we're going seven years without merit, cola, nothing, and then here's Leighton City swinging. They're not maybe not huge, but it is something that recognizes at least appreciation. And they're like, well, it's about seven miles uh, to the south on I-15. <laughs> if you want to go try that, yeah. right? Well, and and I and I think too, we cast a, the other thing about our hiring. I will say this is, we took we cast a wide net. I mean, we sent stuff out on every social media site we could. I have a f- good friend of mine that uh, runs the Verdugo Fire Academy, uh, mm-hmm. Sam DiGiovanna, down in Southern California. I know Sam real well. And I said, hey, would you send this out to your folks? And he said, sure. And then he, uh, he sent me an email and he CC'd me. And I'm like, who are all these names? And he said, oh, it's every it's it's every uh, coordinator of every fire academy in the state of California. So, oh, so you shared it with all those guys. Uh, yeah. And Arizona and every, so we, we, we hired, we hired, we had several people from uh, California on our list. We, we hired one last, we gave him a, offered him a job. He was up on the monument fire, <laughs> oh, awesome. offered him a job, you know, took it on the spot, said, I'm going to call my wife and tell her to start packing. We got to get up here by October 1st. <laughs> so we've hired some out from out of state. We actually hired somebody out of South Carolina that came out and Whoa. tested. That's far. And Yeah. All yeah. the way to the other side. And he's, yeah, he's kind of, he's going to be in our March class, you know, in class twenty two dash one. But he's that's good because he got a new baby and needed a little bit of time. So he says March is perfect. So great. You know, I guess they say it because we had people really literally applying from everywhere, like probably five or six different states. You know, because Utah's got a good reputation. It's a great place to live. You know, housing prices are a lot of control, but people love it. I mean, a lot of people in California, a lot were, were looking at it and applying, and we still have a lot on our list that are from California. Well, we have top three of the top 10 economic growth cities in the nation. Yeah, right? we're we're like one of the best. And so, you know, we, we did cast a, we, we cast a pretty wide net, but again, we were looking, we're looking for the right fit and the right folks, you know, so. Well, I think if you make that choice, Lake City, you're making a good choice. You have a chief that I believe will absolutely have your back. And I'm not trying to fluff you at all because no. I, I think you know me better. I'm not yeah. that guy. Um, but regardless, I'll stand for, I try to stand for what's right. Sometimes I make mistakes and I do wrong things. And I don't want to. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> we all, we all oh, do. I make mistakes every day. I'm like, man, I just sure handle that. I, right. I, 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 I'm, I'm doing it right now. One. Yeah. Right. I just, like I told you on my way in, I'm doing some stuff right now that I wish I wouldn't have said. Right. Sure. And, and we'll redact it. But at the yeah. same time, it, hopefully there's forgiveness there. But ultimately, if you make that choice and, and, 
you're, you're making the good choice for Leighton, but also I wanted to tell you thanks uh, for all the trainings that I've received over the last several years. And I appreciate you covering some of the stuff with Brian that, that we've learned and, and how you can really take something that's traumatic as losing mm-hmm. a firefighter on a fire ground and create a skill set. I mean, this really has influenced not just probably thousands, but tens of thousands of firefighters. And even though it may seem like a class that you're listening to and that you're like, Oh, another training, right? There is stuff that takes you home sure. that you take home with and you're sitting on a fire ground and you think, wait a second, if I go down, what's it going to take to get me out? Right. Yeah. And you're trying to be conscientious of, Hey, where's my SCBA? What's my tank at? I don't want to get to zero. I've got to be at 50% mm-hmm. on my way out. We forget like, Hey, halfway in is halfway a bottle and halfway right. out. You, and yeah. you got to have more than that on your exit. So exactly. you really have to manage this, right? And, and it's l- classes and lessons like that that bring the reality of what we're really choosing. It's not just all hero that we really do have to be, go home to our kids. We really have to do to go, we have to go home to our wives and we have yep. to be there for our partners. So yeah. dumb decisions from our own and the people that we're working with can really hurt everyone. Well, and that's what you know, Bruno always used to say. And I remember him saying is that, you know, bad decisions made at the strategic level are paid for by the folks at the task level. You know, right. it's something we've always that's a heavy burden. We've always got to be thinking about. You know, and that's and again back how we honor Kendall. Yeah. You know, I didn't know Kendall personally, but I know him through the guys on the department. I know him through my assistant chief. I know him through the people that work with him, and that's how I've gotten to you know know him. And we honor him. We and the best way we can honor Kendall is to learn. Yep, and learn and from it. Protect so other that's, people. That's what I say. You know, we wear the we wear the bands. We you know all that stuff we talk about that is a constant reminder. I see that rock every day. I get out of my truck and walk past it, and I'm just man. I'm just committed to everyone goes home, man. That's one monument. That's, yep. for your career. That's, Leave it there, and that was. <laughs> That not on your watch, exactly. but it's there to remind you not to get one, right? Yep. So I want to tell you, thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you for just your service and 44 years. We're excited to to have you there and we appreciate all you do. And and thank you for the lessons and uh, everything. So, Well, I appreciate it. It's been an honor and pleasure here talking with Jeremy. I, I yeah, I, I, There's not a better career in the fire service. And that's the other thing I tell folks. I love it. I love my guys and gals. I wouldn't want to be doing anything different. You know, I'm committed. I, I'm committed to, you know, giving back. It's give, The fire service has given me a great, it's given me a great life. It's given me a great career. And I just want to keep giving back. Well, and we appreciate all the sacrifices that you've done. And we, we hope that the other young firefighters can learn. And Layton's a great star. Con, uh, congrats to the new 12 people and yeah. potentially 18. Yeah, we're and, look forward to it. And uh, hopefully they get to be the next rock stars. Well, then we're picking them. I'm all sure right. they will be. Thank you so much, Chief. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been it. an honor and pleasure being here. Thank you for yep. the opportunity. You have a great one. Thank okay. you. All right. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to 90 Proof Wisdom Podcast. Hopefully, there was a takeaway for you. If you like what we're doing or even our efforts, tell your friends about it. Let us know what, what we could do better. Again, thank you for listening to 90 Proof Wisdom Podcast. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button.